Good morning and welcome to a completely messed up edition of Equity Monday, a quick hit from the Equity crew to help you start your week. You'll first notice that this is a Tuesday edition of Equity Monday, which for international listeners is due to the Memorial Day holiday here in the United States, and also because we just want to keep you all guessing. You'll also notice that your normal double espresso personality host, Alex Wilhelm, isn't here because he is taking a well-deserved vacation, where I'm sure he is socially distancing from others by reading some form of an obnoxious philosophy book or, God forbid, a novel, as Wilhelm is wont to do. So instead, you're here with me, that other guy in equity, Danny Crichton, who is a bit more of a creme Earl Grey tea personality, which, I might add, is quite fitting for a four-day work week. Today, we'll go over two startup fundings that happened late last week and over the weekend, talk a bit about remote work and salaries, and the sudden controversial cost of living adjustment, and then discuss the most important upcoming tech story of the week for a bit. Our longer equity episode comes out this coming Friday, where I will be joined by Tosh Mascarenas and special recurring guest star Irish Choi of Floodgate Capital. If seed or enterprise or just all-around awesome people are your jam, then you won't want to miss it. With that, today is Tuesday, the 26th of May, 2020. Let's go. First, it was indeed Memorial Day here in the States, which is normally an ironically joyous holiday for families and friends to come together and officially usher in the start of summer. Of course, this Memorial Day was a far more somber one, with the United States approaching a key and bleak milestone, 100,000 deaths since the start of this global pandemic of COVID-19. In addition, tens of thousands of tech workers have been laid off, and another 2.4 million Americans declared unemployment insurance just last week. We pay tribute here at Equity to all those who have helped fight, whether you're a first-line responder who just happens to be tickled by tech news on this podcast, or maybe an entrepreneur who worked your supply chain magic and got some PPE to our health workers. Whoever you are and whatever you did, thank you. But there's plenty about coronavirus itself around the internet, so I want to bring our attention to two funding rounds that happened late last week and also talk about the recent controversy over locality pay at Facebook. We hear so many different views about remote work. Is everyone going to work from rural Greenland? Is everything going to return to normal? Are noon o'clock pinot coladas a thing? The answer is frankly a mix of all the above. I wrote last week that we need to stop talking about work from home and start talking about work from anywhere. As I wrote in my article, Flexibility means adapting our schedules and our locations for the kinds of knowledge work we are trying to do. Some days are all meetings as we try to coordinate a number of projects. Some days we need to shut out the world and just dive down into writing our novels or developing a new algorithm or putting together that big presentation for the all-hands meeting next week. Some days we need a mix of both. Some days we need the comfort of home, while other days we need the comfort of our colleagues. In short, work from anywhere perfectly encapsulates that freedom and dynamism our schedules deserve. For companies, the challenge is how to empower a true work-from-anywhere culture, which is way more than the binary of in-office or at-home. Well, a bunch of VCs must be reading my groggy Monday musings, or at least are thinking about our world these days, since startups are getting funded to do precisely that. First, there was Deal, spelled D-E-E-L, which is working on payroll for remote workers. That sounds simple, but it is a ridiculously hard problem to solve. I was hosting an enterprise meetup a few months ago here in New York City, where I was interviewing the head of finance for Datadog. One of the things that struck me in that interview was that Datadog had employees in dozens of locales and had to essentially manually track payroll, tax, and accounting information for each of those locales using separate corporate structures in order to make the whole thing legit. And that's for a publicly traded company. How is any small company, any startup, supposed to handle this level of stupid complexity? And that's where deal comes in. 
Hugh Sun at CNBC reported the deal has raised $14 million from Andreessen Horowitz, with general partner Anish Acharya leading the round. The company was founded in 2018, but obviously the coronavirus situation has helped give the company a huge push to growth. Kudos to them and hope they can ride the rave forward. Now, anytime we start talking payroll and remote work, we're going to start walking into what has become one of the most shrill debates in Silicon Valley these days, and that's COLA, aka cost of living adjustment. Facebook made waves last week when it said that perhaps a majority of its employees could be remote in the coming years, but then CEO Mark Zuckerberg also said that those employees should expect a cost of living adjustment if they move to cheaper locations. Let's just state that first. Cost of living adjustments have been policy at companies for literally decades. So while there has been intense debate about the comments at Facebook over the weekend, the reality is that these rules are basically how the rules have been forever. To me, though, those rules are going to be completely broken down in this new world. Back in early 2018, I wrote a piece called Digital Nomads Are Hiring and Firing Their Governments, which talked about how governments are having to directly compete for the knowledge workers of this century. I wrote... With the increasing flows of migrant talent, we are witnessing the rise of new network sovereignty, where people have attachments to countries built up over a lifetime of mobility, and they may not even live there. In its ideal form, network sovereignty lines up with liberal values of open trade, open borders, and human freedoms. Highly skilled migrants have choices on where they want to live, and their demands for quality of life, amenities, rights, and freedoms create competition among governments to be more open and satiate those desires. A country that even implies that it is backtracking on that openness can suddenly find a gaping hole in its incoming stream of talent, one that might not be easy to repair. Mobility essentially becomes the new Bill of Rights. Now, for those who don't know, network sovereignty is one of those terms you use at a cocktail party to make sure everyone knows you are a dick. But beyond that, now that tech workers are being released from their Highway 101 prisons, I'm sorry, I mean suburban corporate headquarters, who is going to stay and who is going to leave? One seed VC I talked to over the weekend said that he expects managers at major Bay Area tech companies to be the ones heading out, the ones who are making more than 250000 have stability at home and at work, and finally want to own a home that the Bay Area has made all so elusive. That might actually improve the economics for some startup founders who can't compete with big tech on salaries. Networking, though, will still be the most critical function of these workers, which is perhaps why one startup is getting another smack of the good stuff. Run the world which is at runtheworld.today, which is both an amazing and a bat bleep crazy URL, is a platform to run virtual events with more meaningful connections between attendees as well as with the host. Andreessen Horowitz led a $4.3 million seed round that was announced in February, and now the company over the weekend announced a $10.8 million Series A led by Andreessen and new lead Founders Fund. Speaking to my colleague, Colony Loizos, co-founder and CEO Xiaoyin Chu said, since we launched in February and waived all set of fees for events impacted by the coronavirus, we are receiving hundreds of inbound event requests each day, which, frankly, sounds like exactly the kind of growth investment that people are looking to make these days. All right, let's shift gears a bit. While we might be transforming to a world of network sovereignty, it's real sovereignty that matters today and in the tech world, and that has met the trade kerfuffle going on between the U.S. and China. This week is the end of one of the most important dates in the Chinese political calendar, the Lianghui, or Twin Meetings, which sets out the government's agenda. The big economic news was that for the first time in decades, China's government will not be releasing a GDP growth figure, and the big political news is that China intends to pass a national security law to enforce its rule in Hong Kong. Yet... For all that is happening in Beijing, it's actually going to be up in British Columbia, 
where tech and political watchers are going to turn their gaze. Wednesday, i.e. tomorrow, the Supreme Court of British Columbia will render its judgment on whether Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou will be set free or extradited to the U.S. Meng has been under house arrest since December 2018, or, I guess in today's parlance, socially distancing by order of the courts. It's a huge, huge case, made even more dramatic for falling on practically the last day of China's most important annual political event. A ruling in favor of Meng tomorrow would be a huge blow to the Trump administration's push to rein in Huawei, while a judgment in favor of extradition would push Canada and China relations to new lows. Regardless of the outcome, Huawei did suffer one major defeat this weekend. Boris Johnson's government in the United Kingdom is now moving to block the purchase of Huawei's telecommunications equipment after earlier authorizing its deployment in the country's next-generation 5G networks. If you haven't read it, we had a great analysis of the growing Western divide over Huawei from our contributor Scott Bade that you should definitely check out for more. All right, enough about geopolitics, though. But talking about 5G networks, Jordan Crook and I are interviewing our boss's 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 boss, Verizon CEO and the man who ultimately pays for all of us, Hans Hans Vestberg. We'll talk about 5G how Hans is leading a 100,000-person team through the global pandemic, and the company's acquisition and closing of video conferencing software BlueJeans, plus your own questions. Can you hear me now? No, but you can hear us at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and sometime in London if you know how to do math. And that's all that we have for today. Happy birthday to the GDPR, who turned two today. Thank you for solving privacy on the internet. Hope you are as safe as can be. This is Danny Crichton from The Equity Crew, and you are tremendous. God, I can't say Alex is closing with enough enthusiasm.